0: Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast, brought to you by Worship Catalyst. Worship Catalyst is a non ministry built to help people find and worship Jesus by mentoring and training worship leaders and their teams. This podcast is part of that mission. In the next few minutes, it is our goal to help you do more with less. For more information and resources, or to connect with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together.
1: Hey, welcome again to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. In our last episode, we were interviewing Corey Coogan, who's a Worship Catalyst Connector in Buffalo, New York, a great worship leader and a very uh, experienced and mature, heartfelt-led kind of worship leader. And we've been talking about developing songs in such a way that help people connect with Jesus and developing musicianship and singers and the instruments and all that. And so we're going to finish up that conversation now, and it's going to be a time for us to really get our minds inside the minds and the hearts of a congregation and the way that they react and connect with the worship songs that we do. So hope you enjoy this podcast. I go into churches a lot of times, and most of the time, Corey, when a song starts, all the singers start singing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it's like their band might build a song to a moment, you know, and you know, kind of build like you were saying, like, wait a bit, come in, you know, and all that, but their vocals yep. are just like, right in. Yep. So... You got some thoughts on that and how to improve that?
0: I mean, the big thing is if that's if that's already happening, then it's going to be a culture change. you got to hit the reset button, and it's like pulling off a Band-Aid. You just got to pull it off. And the best way to do that is by – and I, some people get really offended by this, but it, as you know, I mean, you're, you're a musician. Um, when you first started playing and you wanted to get good, you imitated the things that you heard around you, whether it was bands on the radio or bands in Christian – groups or Christian circles, listen to those tracks, listen to the songs that are being written, listen to the dynamics of those songs, the vocal dynamics, and show them and just point that out. And sometimes it sounds you're like you're doing a lot of like, this is not how Bethel does it. And then someone will say, well, we're not Bethel. And then you your response would be, you're correct, but they're at the level they're at for a reason. And it's because they're very good and they know how to give songs space. So we talk about that a lot in our church, about giving the song space and room to breathe. And a lot of that has to do with not having all the vocalists come in at the same time. So it's not even just about harmony and about melody, even though those are very important. It is about, like you said, backing off and letting that moment, if it's a verse, let one singer sing that verse. Because what happens is then when the pre-chorus comes in and a third part harmony comes in, it, it adds this level where people say, oh, gosh, this song is going somewhere. Like, what's yeah. happening? And then when the chorus kicks in, there's this kind of crescendo moment yeah. where all the vocals come in, whether you're doubling up melody or you're adding another harmony, a fifth or a third above or third below, whatever you're doing, you're stacking thirds there. You know, the Nashville kind of like typical worship music is those stacked thirds, third third above, third below. Um, and you, start, you add those in, all of a sudden the song becomes incredibly dynamic and people's ears perk up, and then it, it creates. When music takes a journey like that, it's impossible to not get emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually invested. That's why. That's why movie soundtracks are so important for movies. If we yeah. watched every movie, imagine watching Gladiator with no soundtrack. In yeah, the just a bunch of swords clinking together.
1: Yeah, swords. Some yeah, lines screaming.
0: Exactly. You wouldn't know, like, at this very moment. You know the main character uh, Maximus is going to like do something incredible because the music kind of crescendos and builds up to this thing, and all of a sudden, it's like, mm-hmm. dun dun. You know, sometimes it's a like, that's a that's a I think a biological, but I think it's also scriptural in the sense of like the Lord used music in in spiritual warfare, yeah. used it in physical warfare. Um, God used music in an incredible way, and I think yes. our our spirits and our emotions respond to it. Yeah, and so using music dynamically that with vocals especially creates the space for for breath it also eliminates vocalists trying to compete against each other you know like trying to hear themselves you know because they can't you know because it's all this you know big cluster kind of mess of vocals just happening all at the same time
1: you know um there's a pattern to songs you're talking about like hey start with one add an alto add the three parts you know more people yep. choir kicks in if you have one on the bridge or whatever you know yeah and it seems like all instruments are like that. All songs are like that, right? Every they are. we should never have this flat, you know. Hey, it's, hey, it starts medium and it ends medium and the middle part though is medium. You know, that's yep. that's what you call bad music and bad production. Sure. Yeah. But it seems like most worship songs have this really predictable pattern. Yep. And um I think a lot like we make fun of that a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. it's worship song because it's going to have this pattern. It's going to go up and down here, and it's going to build bridge, third bridge, 12th bridge, you know, and all this. Oh, it's low gonna octave, go up and then it drops and the bottom the out. Octave, now yeah, it's just vocals yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep, you know, and eighty percent of the songs are exactly like that. Yeah, but like, there's a reason eighty percent of the songs are like that, right? Yeah. What is that?
0: Well, I think the reason is these songs are written for live moments. Mm-hmm. They're written. They're written for congregations. A lot of them. Yeah. Um. You know, regardless of how people feel about the theology of different churches, Elevations are very in tune. They're writing songs for their congregations, um, and so is Bethel. Like, and these people are kind of writing songs for what's happening within their churches but going back to the idea of it's there are a lot of times they're written for live moments mm-hmm. and when you're with a group of people and you're worshiping and you're starting to sing I don't I don't this is probably a horrible analogy but it's almost like the wave right like when part of the stadium starts the wave and you yeah. see it on your side yeah even though you know it's coming to you, and oh, here comes the wave! Oh, we're at a sports event. We're gonna do the wave. If you can see the, it's, if you
1: can see the podcast right now, we're, yeah, uh, Corey we're, and we're are doing, doing waves. waves. Yeah, we're doing yeah. waves.
0: But <laughs> when you see that happen, though, there's a level of like, even though it's predictable, yeah, um, there's that like kind of tension of expectation yeah. meets fulfillment, and yeah. you know,
1: <laughs> that's so funny.
0: You wake it's up true. every Christmas morning and you know there's gonna be a present there from somebody, yeah. right? And right. it doesn't it doesn't make the present any less special because you know it's coming. It's your birthday. Yeah. Someone's gonna say happy so birthday. Good but it's that there's that tension mm-hmm. and i think that musically it's the same thing like we know it's going to happen but when somebody does it and maybe they do it in just a little bit of a different way yeah. like they dynamically change it just a little bit like right now like Maverick City's doing it elevation does it they'll do staccato hits in parts you know da da mm-hmm. like elevation did it with dude again you know da 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 you know they do those like kind of hits um you know, Maverick City's been doing that with a lot of their songs um where they, they they'll do something different a little bit different but it's not wrong to play a song that's predictable because like I was going back to the live moment, people want that feeling of being connected. And when you like, when you recognize a song for the first time, like, Oh, I heard this song. I know this song. I know the lyrics. It's like, it feels so much better. Once you feel comfortable with what's happening. I think the same thing with a worship song, like, yes, they're written. They're, they're kind of predictable format. Like you said, Um, we joke around about it, but there's a reason why they're, they're delivering the way that they are because, There, you know, every song could be predictable.
1: Do you think some of that's emotional in a way that's relying on emotion rather than either spirit or content or any of that?
0: I think, yes. I think there's definitely a danger area there when you're you're kind of trying to play the cookie cutter, kind of fill the role. And you see bands have done that in the past, right? Bands that come out later on, years later, musicians that say, I was never really a Christian, but they wrote these incredible songs. They were kind of just emulating and imitating and not really being in tune with the spirit. But I think the originators of a lot of that stuff were definitely tapped into a real spiritual moment. Hmm. And it just kind of, it becomes popular because it works and it, and it feels good. It sounds good. And I think definitely emotions can play in that. But as worship leaders and as worship you know beings, emotion's a huge part of worship. Like, I don't necessarily want to hear a three-part, three-point sermon on the theology of eschatology and Jesus' return on uh, during a worship song. Like I want to, I yeah. want to express my excitement for Christ coming back. I right. want to, I want to hear a story and then have a moment of response that tells me like, Jesus, I love you. Yeah. And I know that you love me because A, you died for me and B, you're coming back for me. Yeah, I don't need to hear about bowls of wrath and pillars of fire and, you know, anything like that. I, I just want to be tapped in. What about water references? <laughs> yeah. Water and fire, right? Every worship song, <laughs> it's going to rain. It's gonna, it's gonna rain fire, it, and you know, it's like, what, what is happening right now? That like,
1: depends on if you're in a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church. That's, that's the true. difference. Yeah, the the yeah. fire
0: raining is definitely Pentecostal, more Pentecostal. right? But I, I've been a part of both, and I'm, I'm currently in one that we joke around. We say we're Baptist. Like we, okay. We're Baptist, but we like you know, we, we like some kind of costume. So there's
1: fire, but the rain comes and drenches the fires.
0: Exactly. It's the best of both worlds. The fire burns <laughs> up the, the stuff, and then just in case the fire gets too crazy, the
1: rain comes and washes it out for us. I love that. That's so good, man. That's so good. Well, hey, man, this has been a really good conversation, and I think really helpful as we, as we think about the importance. It's just so important how we present a song. You know, and I think it's great to learn from really good artists who have had a lot of success at connecting people with Jesus. Yeah. And so like the development and the band and the build and the simplicity and all of those things. And you know what it makes me think of, Corey, is how we as worship leaders need to be really good students of songs. And all kinds of songs, you know, but probably especially worship songs, because those are the ones, like you said, written to connect people with Jesus in a live setting, which is what everybody's church is on Sunday, so. Exactly. And
0: you can hear the difference in those types of songs, too, the ones that were written for that and the ones that weren't, Mm. because we call them
1: congregational songs, right? The ones that were written for live moments. But yeah, 100%. You know, the repeating of the bridges, a lot of times, yet another joke, started with oceans or whatever, and then...
0: children. And your children, and your children, and
1: generations, and your children. <laughs> exactly. A blessing. So, you know what I think about when I think about, there's a, I was watching um somebody who, you know the musical Oklahoma from way back in the day? Mm-hmm. There's a song in there that is worldwide fame that goes, There's a bright golden haze on the meadow, there's yep. a bright golden haze on the meadow. And the corn is as high as an elephant's eye. Okay, so it's, uh, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that opening line, there's a bright golden haze in the meadow. And then yep. for some reason, he sings, there's a bright golden haze in the meadow. Like yep. two times in a row. And um, so this guy got the role of playing, this, playing that role. And he shows up to, to rehearsal. And that song starts. And he goes, there's a bright golden haze in the meadow. There's a bright golden haze in the meadow. And the director stops him. And he goes, why did you sing that twice? And he's like, uh, it's in the music. Like, it's it's in there twice. And he goes, no, why did why'd you sing it twice? Like, why was it written twice? Sure. And the guy singing it goes, I don't have anything with the idea. And the director said, well, you need to go home and you need to figure that out and come back tomorrow with an answer as to why that's in there twice. Yeah. So anyway, the guy comes back and he's like, figures it out for him, what he thinks it means and all this kind of stuff. But- I've thought about that a lot of times with worship songs. When we repeat these phrases or these concepts or these bridges or whatever. Sure. And even if it's just one word like a song somewhere may have holy, you're holy, you're holy and holy, yes you're holy, yep. holy. Yep. Well, God's like, you know, is God going, "I get it. I get you know, it I'm yeah. holy. Thank you." <laughs> yeah. Move on. But I, but I wonder about that Corey, because it's like, I think sometimes what we get an opportunity to do, if we will really do it, Sure. is to express that same thing many yep. times like lord i need you oh i need you every hour i need you know whatever the word i need yep. you i need you i need you 25 times sure. well do you need god for 25 different things in your life i think you probably do i do yeah I'd say
0: probably a lot more i was going to say uh, yeah like 500
1: like, five, like yeah 5000 so, repeat the chorus uh, all <laughs> night right <laughs> So I I think there's an opportunity there. And what I think music, what I was getting to is what I think music does as it builds is every time we experience that same phrase or that same uh, bridge or whatever, we're experiencing it a little bit of a different way because musically, the band is helping me as yeah. a, in the congregation to experience it in a different way so that the lyric might mean something a little bit different to me every time yeah. I sing it. Or yeah. I might get even, I might mean it even more, you know, yeah. like some Amen. faith thing, like God is, the, God is power. And then you're like, yeah. yeah, he's power. Yes, he's power. You know, like exactly. I believe it more every time I say it, yeah, you know, there's a lot of repeats in the Bible, man, a lot of there that. is.
0: And I, I haven't read, I'm not sure how accurate this is. I didn't do the proper probably research on it, but I also read too that, um, in in uh, Hebrew writing, in Jewish culture, when they would re- repeat something, like when you see David repeat it, or when you even see, like I think I believe in Revelation, there's a couple of repeats, right? Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. Yeah. In the Jewish culture, when an author was writing something like that, and they 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 repeated the line again and again and again, mm-hmm. they said the word like "Amen, Amen, Amen." What that meant was in their culture was that when you'd say it the first time and then you repeat it a second time it literally means I mean that twice as much as I said it the first time. Oh, wow. And Double. then when it says it again, I mean it triple the amount. And so yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's accurate, but I I, I remember reading that about these these uh, ancient hymns that were written, obviously, by, by David and by other authors. Yeah. That when they have those repetitious lines, they were actually adding incredible emphasis, intentional emphasis. So for us, we sometimes delude choruses or bridges and think it's just mindless repetition right all these songs are so mindless like they're just you know these same things over and over again but like you said the initial author i mean to be honest like i think the main thing about a worship leader is they have to be authentic and they have to be real and raw and genuine you can't fake it and so if all you had in that moment when your heart was breaking and you were writing this song and all you had in this moment was like jesus i need you and that's that's it And then you just, the next part came up and you're like, well, I know I need to say something here. You know, Jesus, I just, I need you. I need you more. Like I need need you. you I need you. I still need you. And it's like, that's all I have to say in this moment. And that song will echo, I think the, the intentionality of that moment. And there are songs that are just for hooks and just kind of for fun. And there's, there's rejoicing and worship and fun moments where we can dance and be silly and be goofy. But, you know, I think sometimes those choruses are written that way, because like you said, Maybe the person that walked in that Sunday was discouraged. And the first time they Mm -hmm. got to that chorus, they just kind of sang it like nonchalantly. And the second time they thought about, you know, yeah, well, you know, my marriage is failing and my kids hate me, but you know, Jesus, I know you're gonna bring life, you know, out of these out of these dry bones. And then the next time they got to that part, now they're they're not I don't want to say claiming it in faith, but they are they are rejoicing in God's faithfulness. Yeah. Knowing that knowing that he's going to change something in their life. Yes. And then by the end of that bridge now they're now they're really singing it. Hmm. And so sometimes it is kind of corny, but sometimes I think there there's beauty in corniness. Some of the most beautiful worship songs could be kind of corny.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily an excuse to um you know copy the the album version of no, some of the yeah. worship songs. You don't like have 14, to do an 11-minute song. <laughs> 14 yeah. minutes long. Yeah, no, you don't. But, um, but I would say, if we are going to repeat something four, five, six times, you know that we probably need to teach a little bit as worship leaders, a hundred percent break that song down and not just like what's yeah. wrong with the congregation? They're not into it fourteen times yes, break, break
0: it down, and have that moment. if you feel yeah. the spirit, the spirit of God saying yeah. someone someone here in this church right now needs to sing this again, then share that. Don't be weird, you don't have to be creepy, you don't have to call yourself a prophet, and you know do that sort of stuff, but like be genuine and be like. You know, I, I sense in my spirit, you know, we, as a church, let's sing this out. Like you've, I even joke around sometimes on Sundays and I'll say, you've heard me sing this already, you know, let's sing it together and then back away from the microphone and give your people a chance to to sing. Yeah. And I've never been a part of a church where that hasn't happened, where they don't start singing
1: Yeah. So and
0: and make it, make it their moment and teach, teach that moment about whatever that lyric is. Like, why are we repeating this? Well, because we, we need to, stand for God's faithfulness. We need to repent or we need to, or God is holy. I mean, you can't say that enough in my opinion, like in the heavens rejoice, holy, holy, holy is Lord God almighty. And in heaven, we see a picture of that being sang continually. Forever. Isaiah,
1: forever. revelation. Yeah. Yes. Over and over again.
0: So claiming God's holiness is probably the purest form of worship that we can, mm. I think do. And so, yeah, encourage it and have fun with it, but you're hundred percent right. Don't just repeat it for the sake of repeating it. Don't, yeah do it because the album does that many times or
1: look how cool we can make this sound
0: yeah yeah that's kind of like just showing off musically or or whatever the case is or it's we're not. using
1: tracks and we don't know how to shorten it
0: that that can happen too yeah yeah that's going back to being genuine be yourself yeah like it's good nothing's funnier than walking into a church and i don't like i said i'm mean, gonna be critical but it's funny this is we can poke fun at ourselves <laughs> walking into a church with a drummer and a vocalist and that's all they have on stage and they have oh yeah bass and electric guitars and keys, and you're just looking around the room like, where is this coming from? Yeah. And they had the full production. It sounds just like an Elevation song. Yeah. And it's just kind of in that moment, it's just kind of like, what are we doing? Like, um, I don't know, because I, I wouldn't want to be that way. I wouldn't want to do it that way.
1: I also wouldn't want to lead worship with just a bass guitar player and a drummer either. That's true. That's so true. there's got to be a me- middle ground There's, there's got
0: to be a middle ground there, 100, 150%. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it is funny though, like it it can go, it can go both ways, but I think genuinely though, you have to be in union, like in unity with your pastor and, and the vision bearers, the church and yourself. And if that's the direction you guys want to go, then go for it and own it and love it and live it and be authentic to it. Um, and if it's just you and a home player, then live it, love it and go for it because, Mm. um, that's going to make all the difference in the world.
1: Awesome good word good to end on Corey thanks for your time today man thanks for thank your you. input and insight into our lives here and as leaders and uh, uh, you might want to listen to this podcast two or three times to catch some of these things because there's a lot of a lot of good uh, a lot of good words that were helpful there man so yeah well thank you for having me I appreciate it all right you're welcome hey god bless thank you guys for listening again to this episode of the worship leader essentials podcast and uh come back all the time, and we will continue to have content. If you want to uh, make some comments, please do, and uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I appreciate you. God bless. See you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. We'll be back soon with another helpful episode. For more information and resources, or to connect with us, please visit
1: worshipcatalyst.com.